Uh, before we open God's Word, just one uh, correction that we do have a Sunday school teacher for high school. Brother Dave Martinez will be teaching that class, so it is still on high school students. But I invite you to now turn in God's Word to the book of Genesis. Uh, first, we're going to read Genesis 1, verses 1 through 2. You can find that on page 1 in your pew Bibles. We're doing a bit of a sample of some different scriptures uh, in the Bible that teach us about God's character, what we call God's aseity, which we'll uh, define in just a moment. But the first one comes from Genesis 1, uh, 1 and 2. Uh, but this morning, before we do open God's word together and hear it proclaimed, let's ask his blessing upon it. Great God in heaven, you reveal in your word that you are the great I am, that you're the God who is in a very category of your own and lord we confess this morning that we are creatures with limits to our understanding and as we seek to understand something of your glorious nature we pray that you would help us father keep us rooted in your word guide us by your holy spirit to understand more about you that we might adore you and that we might depend upon you in our lives stoop down to us and speak to us now by the power of your holy spirit for your servants are listening. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I'd invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. You can find it on page 1058 in your pew Bibles. The Gospel of John, verses 1 through 4. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Sorry, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And finally, look at Acts chapter 17 with me, verses 22 through 31. You can all find that on page 1101 in your pew Bible. These are just a few of the scriptures that we'll be considering on this topic. Acts 17, verses 22 through 31. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I have passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. May he add his blessing to it this morning. Well, not too long ago, we were having family devotions in our house, and we were talking about the topic of creation, creation of this world. And at one point, one of our kids asked the question, but who created God? Have you ever asked that question? Where did God come from? I think that's a natural question that most kids ask, even some adults. Uh, We wonder, where did God come from? Everything seems to come from somewhere. Well, what about God? As we continue our sermon series in the attributes of God, we see that there are certain attributes of God that have some resemblance in humanity. Think of God's love, his justice, his mercy, his grace. We possess those attributes as well in our own creaturely way. But beloved, there are also attributes of God that are unique to him alone. And one of those attributes that are unique to God alone is this attribute called God's aseity. God's aseity. The word aseity means this. God has life in and of himself. That God has life in and of himself. You see, all of creation gets its existence from something outside of itself. Moreover, created things like people and plants and animals and wildlife all depend by, are, are all dependent by their nature and they're growing to reach their potential. But God is a perfect being. He's dependent upon no one and he is the very foundation of all existence. As we read from Paul, in him we live and we move and we have our being. God alone is self-sufficient, self-existent. In the words of Saint Anselm from the fourth century, he is the most perfect being that our minds can conceive of. He is altogether perfect in his love and in his holiness and in his wisdom and in his goodness. And brothers and sisters, this is very good news for you and for me, for needy creatures who depend on such an awesome God. And so today we want to consider God's aseity and its connection to this creation, its connection to our redemption, and also its connection to the daily provision that we need from God. So point number one, you see it there in your bulletin as well. God's aseity 
and his creation. And the main question we're answering in this first point is this. Does God depend on you? That's the sermon title. Does God depend on you? Well, as we come to Genesis 1, verse 1, the opening verses of the Bible, here we see that even before this world came into existence, God existed. In other words, there was a beginning to this created universe, but there was no beginning to God. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you created the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This universe had a beginning. Our solar system had a beginning. Our sun that shines every morning had a beginning. This earth that we live on had a beginning. But the Bible says there was no beginning to God. There was never a time when he was not. He is the unmade maker of all things. Now that's hard for our little creaturely minds to grasp, isn't it? Because everything around us has an origin, a starting point. Everything comes from somewhere. But God's society teaches us that he has existed in himself from everlasting to everlasting. Our God has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfectly happy and blessed in himself. No needs, no voids in his heart, no potential to realize, no wisdom to gain, but fully realized, perfect in his awesome being. Think about this, God's aseity, his nature, is essential for this world to exist. Why? Because nothing cannot produce something, right? We learn that from the sound of music, right? Nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could, right? It doesn't matter how much time passes, spontaneous combustion out of nowhere is absurd. In the words of R.C. Sproul, if anything exists, such as time, matter, and space, something has to have the power of being in itself for that thing to exist. And the Bible says that that reality is God, that he is the very ground of our existence. In many ways, he is pure existence and reality. God's aseity here in Genesis 1 also teaches us that he created this world freely and out of the overflow of his goodness. No one twisted God's arm to create. He didn't create out of some lack in his heart because he was lonely. No, because of his aseity and his perfect being, he is creating this world out of his good pleasure. And this, beloved, would have encouraged the Israelites who received this text because it showed them that God is very different than all of the so-called pagan gods of their day. All of the gods in Israel's day created out of struggle or because they had some need. In the Astrahasis epic, uh, people were created to do the work that the gods no longer wanted to do. In that epic that was floating around in Israel's day, the people had to provide sacrifices to the gods so that they could be blessed with food and drink. And if the gods' needs were not met by the sacrifices of the people, or if the gods got angry with the people, then they would send some calamity on the earth. 
right? They would strike them with a famine or they would cause them to be defeated in battle. But Genesis 1 shows us God is not like the needy pagan gods of this world who need the sacrifices of humans in order to fulfill some void in his heart. But God created this world freely and out of the overflow of his love and his goodness. Here we come back to our question, does God depend on you? The answer of the Bible is no. In fact, that word dependence in the words of one commentator is a creaturely word. We might add the word need is a creaturely word. Rely is a creaturely word. God is self-sufficient and self-existent. But we see God's aseity here not only in creation, but you might also see it in the book of Exodus when Moses encounters God at the burning bush. Remember what happened there when Moses is being raised up to lead God's people Israel out of Egypt? God raises up Moses and he meets him in this burning bush. But we're told there in Exodus 3, the bush was burning, but it was not being consumed. Now, have you ever seen a fire that's burning, but it's not actually burning up any materials like wood or paper or straw? No, we don't see fires like that happening. How can God do that? It's because of his aseity. It's because he has life in and of himself. And you remember when he's talking with Moses from the burning bush, and Moses asks God, Lord, who should I say is sending me? What is your name? God says to Moses, this is my name. I am who I am. In God's name, he is reminding Moses and reminding us that he is a category, in a category of his own. That God is free from any constraints. God is free from coercion. This is the God who is sovereign over all, the one who depends upon no one. Think about how dependent we are as human beings. We're dependent upon sleep, food, water, shelter, natural resources. We're dependent upon other people for the food that we buy, for the gas that we put in our cars, for the internet that we use, for the lights and electricity that we have. We are dependent creatures. And while some people might enjoy more independence than others, none of us are truly independent. God made us in this way, to be dependent, reliant human beings. It's not sinful to be dependent as a human being. It's how God made us. But you see, God depends on no one. And that is good news for us this morning, because if he did, he would be just like those needy, weak, pagan gods who could not actually help us in our time of need. No, God reveals to us in his word that he is the great I am, the uncreated one who is full of life and power to help us in our time of need. We see in the scriptures that God doesn't depend on us, but we depend on him. And now we see this beautiful doctrine of God's aseity and its connection, especially to us. What do we depend on God for? Two things that we want to highlight from the word of God. The second point is this, we depend on God for our salvation. We see that here, aseity and God's redemption. Aseity and God's redemption. And now we turn uh, to John chapter 1 and also to John chapter 5. 
But why do we need redemption as human beings? Well, the Bible tells us that we have sinned against God. And at the heart of our sin is our sinful pride. In our sin, you see, what do we do? We act like we don't need God. We turn our backs on our Creator and we refuse to acknowledge our dependence upon Him. In our sin, we go about our lives pretending that we are autonomous, self-sufficient, that we can create ourselves, that we could define ourselves, that we could live apart from God. Of course, even when we don't acknowledge our dependence upon God, whether we're Christians or not, we cannot escape him. The breath that we breathe right now is a gift of God. God is the one that causes our hearts to beat every single morning by his grace. Everything that we have in this life is a gift from him. Our sense of morality in our minds and in our hearts is grounded in his character. Our reason reflects his intellect. The sun that rises upon the evil and the good comes to us because of his faithfulness. The problem is in our sin, we worship this creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. We use God's gifts to serve ourselves and we suppress the truth about him in our unrighteousness. Because of God's aseity, we acknowledge that he is free to show mercy to this world or to show justice. In other words, God is under no obligation to save a fallen humanity. But the wonder of the Christian faith is that although God doesn't need human beings, he delights to show mercy to us. He delights to save. And we see that in the Bible, God in the Old Testament freely enters into what we call covenant relationships with his people, like Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God freely enters into this relationship of love with them by his grace. The words of theologian Karl Barth, because God is free from creation, he can be free for creation. You see that? The gospel depends on a God who does not depend on us. God freely comes to us and he demonstrates how precious we are to him by sending his own beloved son to save us. As we think about God's aseity, think about the amazing nature then of the incarnation. In the incarnation, beloved, the self-existent God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, came to be a part of his creation. And in his humanity, Jesus became dependent and needy and reliant on other people. Our Savior became like us in every way except for sin. He depended on his mother Mary to carry him in her womb for nine months to full term. He depended upon food and upon drink, and upon water. Jesus had to sleep. Jesus needed times of refreshment and rest. In his ministry, he depended upon the Holy Spirit to empower him and on the provision of his heavenly Father. But Jesus is no mere man. The Bible says he is also eternal God. John 1 tells us that in him was what? Was life. And that life was the light of men. Jesus not only possesses life, but he is in himself the source of eternal life. 
the God who has a life in himself dwells in the person of Jesus because he is eternal God. This is John chapter 5, 26. Write that one down in your bulletin. It's a key verse for this topic. John 5, 26. Listen to the words of Jesus. For as the Father has life in himself, a Sadie, so he has granted the Son to also have life in himself. In Jesus, we see that God, who has life in himself, delights to give that life to us. And we see that in Jesus, when he was on this earth and he forgave people's sins, he healed their sick bodies, he resurrected the dead, and ultimately he went to the cross to willingly and freely lay down his life for us so that today we might experience eternal life in Jesus' name. As humans, you see, we have nothing to offer God except for our sin. But God has everything to offer us in his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says there in John 5, before speaking about having life in himself, he says, those who hear the voice of the Son of God will live. And so this morning, beloved, if you feel that you are spiritually needy, that you need forgiveness, cleansing, empowerment in your walk with Jesus, hear the voice of the Son of God speaking to you through his word. Come to him and live. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The good news of God's aseity is that he is a fountain for us that will never run dry. If he always has life in himself, then everything he offers us to us in Christ will never run out. His mercies are new every morning. His forgiveness knows no limits. His love for us has no bounds. It's vast as the ocean. Because Christ has life in himself. The streams of mercy and grace and love that flow to us through Jesus will never, ever run dry. That every time we find ourselves crying out to God again for forgiveness or for help or for mercy, he will be there because he always has life in himself. Indeed, God does not depend on us, but we depend on him. We depend on him for our salvation. And thirdly here, beloved, we see we depend on God for our provision, for our provision. We've seen a satiety in its connection to the creation, We've seen God's aseity and its connection to our redemption. And finally, consider God's aseity and its connection to our provision. Now, we read from Acts 17, but I'm going to be leaning upon Psalm 121 a little bit more, that psalm that we sang. But we see here about God's aseity that he is completely dependable in every season and situation of life for his people. Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. In that petition, he wants us to remember our daily dependence upon God for the needs that we have, body and soul. And this prayer of dependence upon God is also found in Psalm 121. 
Let me just read a portion of that for us. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Because of God's aseity, he doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need rest. He doesn't need a siesta. He doesn't need a Sabbath. In the ancient Near East, in Israel's day, people worshipped, again, various pagan gods, and all of them needed sleep. You might remember the famous account in 1 Kings 18 between Elijah and the false prophets of Baal. Remember what happened? They set up two altars, and Elijah says to the false prophets, call upon your God, Baal, and see if he will answer you and send fire from heaven. And of course, they cry out to Baal, and what happens? Nothing, because he doesn't exist. And Elijah mocks the people, and he says this in 1 Kings 18, 27, what's the matter? Is your God relieving himself? Perhaps he is sleeping. These so-called gods of the pagans needed their rest. But not Yahweh. Not the God of Psalm 121. The keeper of Israel does not slumber or sleep. In fact, we might say God by his very nature is an insomniac. An insomniac is a person who is unable to get sufficient rest because they struggle some condition. They can't fall asleep. Well, God does not, again, suffer any condition that is thrust upon him, but in his very nature, he is full of life and strength at all times. Isaiah 40, which we heard so beautifully some months ago, Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, does not faint or grow weary. All of us. probably recognize that your journey of following Jesus is not about growing more independent from him, but more dependent upon his grace and his mercy every single day. The good news of God's aseity is, again, he is absolutely perfect in his being. God is perfect in his love 
and in his goodness and in his justice and in his wisdom. And so here's the good news. If you lack any of those things, any of those virtues, you could call upon Christ who is the very source and cause of those things in your life. And you can find that he is a fountain that will never run dry for you. If we try to go about life on our own strength, beloved, it's heavy. It's burdensome. We can't love difficult people apart from God. We can't press on in difficult situations apart from his sustaining grace. We can't navigate thorny situations in the home or in the culture by our own wisdom. And so come to God for these things. He is the fount from whom all blessings flow and his resources know no bounds. Even this morning in our worship, we recognize God doesn't need our worship here in the way that we need his blessing. What does Paul say in Acts 17? This God who made heaven and earth doesn't live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Paul puts it this way in Romans 11:34: Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? God is not like the pagan gods of the ancient Near East. He's not like the gods of today that need our sacrifices in order to bless us. The Father has all that he needs in the finished work of Christ to bring blessing to his people. And in worship, you see, we are reminded about how much we need God, how much we depend upon him. Jesus teaches us to have this heart. John 15, he says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We're to abide in Christ by abiding in his word, depending upon this word of God like a newborn infant depends on his mother's milk. For God said to us in Deuteronomy 8, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we're to live conscious of our dependence upon God every day. And second, and finally, we are to steward the time and the talents and the treasures that God blesses us with. Everything we have, beloved, on this earth is a gift from God. You know, sometimes we see children struggling to share toys or something that's special and what do they say this is mine you can't have it right even if that thing was just given to them two minutes ago it's mine right you can't have it and we do the same thing as humans we forget that everything that we have is an undeserved gift of God's grace bestowed upon us from our Father in heaven, not so we could simply serve ourselves, but so that we can glorify God with the gifts he gives and love our neighbor as ourselves. Our talents, a gift. Our intellect, a gift. Our education opportunities, a gift. The employment that you have, a gift. The friendships that God blesses you with, a gift. The finances you have, a gift. 1 Corinthians 7, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? And again, Paul puts it this way in Romans eleven thirty six: For from him and through him and to him 
are all things. To him be glory forever. Beloved, you have been given limited, precious time on this earth as an undeserved gift of God. Your life on this planet is to be lived for the glory of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And so the question is, is your time, is your treasures, is your talent being directed to the glory of God's great name? Or are you trying to build your own kingdom, trying to build up your own name on this earth? Beloved, let us stand in awe of who God is today. He is not like us. He's the God who has life in himself. He's altogether perfect, blessed, full of life, and he delights to use his power to care for us. He does not depend upon us, but we depend on him. And he is the God who will never let us down, never run out of resources when we lean upon him. He will never be absent from us in our time of need, but he will always be that faithful father who's near. He's always going to be that friend that shows up. And he will always be the keeper of our lives to the very end. May we live with a conscious dependence upon Christ every single day and direct all of our time, talents, and treasures to the great goal of glorifying our triune God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear great God in heaven, we marvel at who you are. Lord, who are we that you should be even mindful of us here this morning? We are creatures of dust, finite, sinful, broken. But yet, Lord, we marvel at the truth of your word that you are mindful of us. And you not only think of us, but you love us in Jesus Christ. And although you don't need us, you desire to save us. And you show how precious we are to you that you sent your own son to die for us that we can be reconciled to God. Thank you, O Lord, for that free grace that we have received through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us in response, Lord, to rely upon you every, every single day, not to rely on our own strength or wisdom, but on you. And let us, Lord, direct our living in every category of our life to the glory of your holy name. Help us by your spirit to this end, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.